Now it's recording. Didn't record my fun children's message, so all the you folks listening on the recording miss out. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, last week we began a series. We're talking about foundations of our faith and looking at Genesis chapters 1 to 3. Touching on uh, six different topics. Last week we talked about who is God. We saw that God has revealed himself in the Bible, in the very first pages of his word, as creator of all things, as a God who is all powerful, good, relational. These are just a few of the words of the attributes of God that we talked about. And today we're going to consider how the Bible, the Word of God, changes the way that we view the world around us. What is a biblical doctrine of creation? How do we understand our world? And this is an important question in large part because of what we talked about last week. We saw in Romans chapter 1 that people have rejected God's account of creation. And they have chosen to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That's Romans 1 verse 25. And so really, there's only two ways of looking at God, looking at our world. When we look at the Word of God, when we read in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we learn very clearly, very quickly, that creation is not God. That creation is designed by God. Creation is totally dependent on God. And also that creation exists to bring glory to God. It was designed to be pleasing in His sight. Biblical doctrine of creation is that creation was designed to be totally dependent on God. Its very existence is dependent on God. And creation is designed to be totally pleasing to Him. Creation's design is to glorify God, to magnify Him in all His glory. So if you would turn to Genesis 1 with me, if you're not there yet, um, and just be ready because I, we're going to do a little bit of jumping around in Genesis chapter 1. And when I reviewed my notes this morning, I noticed that I didn't always put a reference where I referred to something. And that can be a little confusing for you folks, so I apologize for that. But hopefully we we know enough of the story that we can look and see where in the Word of God we find these things. So that I'm not just spouting off my my opinions. But um, as we begin... We talked and we began in Genesis 1, verse 1 last week, and we're going to begin there again. Last week, um, we, we talked about how God is distinct from creation. 
There's a difference here. We've got God and everything else. And He is set apart. He is separate, holy. And, and He is then sovereign or has authority over all that He has made. Well, today we're going to focus on the fact that God, uh, creation was and is dependent on God. Depends on the Lord. Both in creation and, and, and continuing on till today. Read Genesis 1 verse 1 and it teaches us something about heavens and the earth. They are created. Means that the world doesn't exist of its own accord. It didn't come into being of its own accord. The very existence of God is dependent on God speaking it into existence. There would be no creation if he had not chosen to create all things. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, we are told that God specifically referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, continues holding all things together by the word of his power. This is also echoed in our memory verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. He holds all things together. And so we could say that not one atom or one particle is out of place in God's world. The psalmists speak to this in many different ways. In Psalms 107 and verse 8, the psalmist declares, God, He covers the, the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beast their food and to the young ravens that cry. And so we see that even today the world is dependent on the Lord and His will and His working in this world. He sustains all things, holds it together by the word of His power. There are many folks who have acknowledged that, you know, God, there must be some sort of a designer or a God who created the world. Because it's just too complicated. I think a lot of times then the, the next step of saying that God is active in this world today. Now he's not actively creating a new world in the sense that the work of creation was finished. But God is redeeming. God is upholding. God is working all things according to his purposes. And sometimes people have stopped short of seeing that. In, in creation's dependence on God. God didn't just start the world and leave it running. But he continues to be at work in creation. And especially in, in our lives, we can see his work. And we can see his work as he gives food to all animals and provides rain on the earth. So creation was and is 
dependent on God. You see this from the very first verse in the Bible. Now, the second point I'd like to draw our attention to is that Genesis 1 teaches us that the heavens and the earth were designed. They were purposefully created by God. And we, we could draw this out just from the fact that it says that God created. An act of creation is bringing into existence and we look at the world and all of its design and we can infer that, uh, you know, God has designed this world. I think we also see creation's design in the way in which uh, God chose to create. We see this in the way that God forms the various domains of life. He takes thought to the sky and to the seas and the dry land. As we read on in verses 3 through, uh, I think that is verse 20-something. should turn here, but in my own Bible, no part of creation as we read Genesis 1 is untouched by God, not even the farthest reaches of space. We see that God filled the heavens with stars, uh, verse 14 and, and 16. And, and in fact, the stars are just a quick little note at the very end of verse, um, verse 16. The focus in those verses is on the sun and the moon. And then it says, and the stars. And yet we know today there are countless beyond what you could even imagine seeing with the naked eye. The Hubble telescope has not mapped the stars yet. But God has named them all. God also filled the earth from the sky and the seas and the dry land. We see this from verses 20 on to 25. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created all the sea creatures and every living creature, verse 21, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And in verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And God did that. He filled the earth full of life Every kind of life imaginable. We feel the universe full of amazing things. Even the sun and the moon, so often worshipped by pagan cultures, were created by God. He has designed it all. And He designed a world in which man could live. Verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and every thing on earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then we'll talk more about mankind next week and what it means to be made in the image of God. But what I want you to see here is that God created a world in which man could live and in which man could rule over the animals who filled the earth and the fish of the sea who filled the sea and the birds of the air who filled the skies and over and above man, God rules in a world of beauty, design, order. And God designs the world in such a way that in verses 29 and 30, we see that God provides food for mankind. Verse 29, I've given you every plant yielding seed on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And in verse 30, we see that also the beasts of the earth and every bird of the heavens, everything that has the breath of life, God gives every green plant for food. So God has designed the world in such a way that he would fill the world full of light and life. And he provides for the needs of his creatures. The picture that is painted for us in Genesis 1 is that God has designed creation down to the smallest detail. He has designed creation even to produce according to its kind and plants according to their kinds with great genetic diversity so that we have, for example, all kinds of dogs and all kinds of delicious apples to eat and the variety of life all according to its kind God created down to the smallest detail. As we read a passage like Genesis 1 and and carefully read it and consider and meditate on the work of God, we see not only the master craftsman, but the master work that he has created. Creation is designed by God. Creation is dependent on God. And thirdly, we see that creation is pleasing to God. In the beginning, creation's design was good. We see seven times in our text, and God saw that it was good. And on the last time, we see that God saw not only that it is good, but verse 31 says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Creation's design was good. Well, unpack that. If creation is good, what what does God's designation of good mean? What does it mean we could say, Creation is good. Well, one thing it means is that um, that which is not good in this world that we know and see and experience is, is not from God. 
And we'll talk more about this as we open up the scriptures in Genesis chapter 3. There are things that are wrong with this world that we can point to and say that is not good. But that is not the way that the Lord created this world. It's not how things were meant to be. But secondly, we can see when we we look at the phrase, God saw that it was good, God is affirming in his sight that creation's original design and intent met the standards of God himself, whom we know as, as true and beautiful and good in all his ways. The creation was designed with order and beauty, each portion crafted by the master craftsman. And when God looked at his world, what he had made, he had made it well. The world God had made is is so good and so well designed that Humans have been trying to create something. Nothing that humans have created has, has come close to the design of, of, that is within God's creation. We can look at, at the, the world's largest supercomputers and compare them to the DNA within a single cell and the amount of information within one strand of DNA, one cell is, is far beyond what any computer can do. Dean was sharing with me the other day about how DNA can, can write code over itself and you can have multiple different functions within one particular part of DNA. And so it is amazing when we consider that God has made all of this. He's made it good. And researchers are constantly looking to creation to to design everything from adhesives to airplane wings. They look at geckos' feet and how they stick to the wall with uh, what is called Van Allen's force. And I don't necessarily want to explain all that to you, but look it up. NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab has created adhesives that are designed from gecko's feet. And, uh, and airplane wings have, for centuries, people have been looking to birds and wishing they could create a machine that could fly like a bird. But, uh, you know, sadly, seldom do we give glory to God for these things. But when we have eyes to see, we can see that creation is designed with beauty and order because God himself is a God who is good. And we can give glory to God for these things. But saying that God saw that it was good not only means that God made a good world, that he designed it so beautifully and wonderfully, but also that 
he looks upon what he has made and he took pleasure in creation. He saw what he had made and he rejoiced in his work. And so we read in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, God had finished his work and describes for us what God did. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. So so we see that God rested he had completed the work it was good it was finished it was well made by a good god and god delighted in the finished work of creation creation is good not simply because it was made good but because it is pleasing to God, who made it. When we think about something that in, in our world that has been made well, let's just say um, this, this pulpit here is made. It is made of wood and it is made well from what I can see. But just the fact that it is well made is, is one thing. But the fact that it was, I, I hope it was pleasing to the master who made it, and it is pleasing for those of us who can enjoy this work. I enjoy it every Sunday. I have a place to put my Bible. This is a a small analogy of the way in which God delights in the creation which he has made and also invites us to enjoy it with him, to delight in him because it's his work. That's why when we worship Creation in so many ways, we're straying from what is good and what is right and what is true because this pulpit without the maker is nothing. And so is creation without God. Creation is good because it brings glory to God. Now, this is a theme that is throughout the scriptures, and I want to take you again. I took you to the Psalms last week to see the glory of God. Let's look at the glory of God and creation in the Psalms. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. When we see the heavens, the sky, the sunset, the starry night, We see a beautifully designed sky that points us to the painter. It points us to a God who's good and who longs for us to delight in him and in his work. Psalm 104 
is a creation psalm. It's a poetic account of creation, and the psalmist proclaims many, many different wonderful things about the world. It says he stretched out the heavens like a tent. You see how it's kind of using poetic language. He rides on the wings of the wind, verse 3. He sets the earth on its foundations, verse 5. And talks about the mountains rising and the valleys sinking down, verse 8, to the place that God appointed them. That he set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. Speaking of the flood and God's word being that which which caused the flood to cover the earth and to also recede from the earth as well. And so in this account, God is glorified. We find at the very end in verse 31, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. And indeed, I believe that he does. And he invites us as it goes on to to rejoice with him. Or the psalmist invites people. He says, I will sing to the Lord, verse 33, as long as I live. I will sing to the Lord, my God, while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. And so the psalmist understood this connection between God's glory, that he is a treasure beyond all treasures, beyond everything in creation. And God being pleased in the world that he has made. There's that connection. God rejoicing in his works. You see, the purpose of creation is to be pleasing in God's sight. That he would rejoice. That he would delight in that which he has made. And sin distorts the goodness of creation. Most of all, us as human beings. But it doesn't make what God said in Genesis 1 untrue. And God saw that it was good. In the hands of God, creation still is good. In many ways. In the hands of God, the universe still serves its purpose of proclaiming his glory in the world. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Romans 11 verse 36. Creation will always be to the glory of God because creation was designed to depend on God continues to need him actively working in our world. Creation was designed to glorify his name. 
And to this day we are told, and I'll bring you back to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where we began, and we began last week's message there as well. In Romans 1, verse 20, tells us that God's glory, His eternal power and His divine nature is evident in the things that have been made. Even today, God in His glory is is evident in creation. And creation sings a song of praise to the Lord God. Even as the earth cries out and groans, Romans 8, for God to renew the world. Even as Psalms uh, 40, 96 to 98, all cry out for the Lord's return. In the midst of that, in the midst of this broken world, the glory of God is evident in the things that have been made. So how should we respond to this knowledge of creation? How should we respond to the the eternal power and divine nature of God? I would invite you to turn to Psalm 148 as we close this morning. Psalm 148 calls all of creation to praise the Lord. Psalm 148, verse 1 begins, Praise the Lord. And it goes on down through the various parts of creation. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all you deeps. Fire and hail and snow and mist, stormy wind that fulfills his word. Mountains and all trees, fruit trees and all cedars. Beasts and all livestock, creeping things, and flying birds. All of creation is called to join in this song of praise to God. They were intended to do. And the psalm ends by calling all of mankind to praise God together with his creation. And so we read, continuing on in verse 11 there, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is over, is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, a ruler. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord.
Word of God calls us to join in creation song in praising God. So let's let's explore God's creation and delight in all he has made. I think the universe is pretty amazing. Let's also remember creation's design points us to the God of the Bible. Points us to the master craftsman. Let's remember that creation depends on God for his existence. That you and I have breath today because the Lord has seen fit that we should draw another breath. Because he is good and he has created us to worship him. biblical understanding of creation uh, leads us to many things but most of all it leads us to worship God and praise him for everything we see everything we enjoy because creation's design is to glorify God the world that he has made is good and Because he is good.